and Dicarilla. I've built businesses in Silicon Valley and around the world. It wasn't long ago that I was burned out, stressed, lacking health, money, and time to do what I really love. Fast forward from corporate to startups, from tech to marketing, now I'm able to live from freedom, legacy, and love. I created this podcast for you to do the same. In this podcast, you will hear actionable tools for you to move the needle forward and step up your personal development by creating your legacy business. If you are an ambitious entrepreneur that is looking to create a life and work you love and you're ready to use your business as a way to accelerate your personal development, you're in the right place, my friend. Let's get going. Hey, Jen. Thank you for being here on the podcast. Jen is the founder and the podcaster behind Her Dinero Matters, the bilingual podcast for women who want to be reigners of their money. And I love your podcast. Thank you so much for being here. I want you to tell us a little bit more about how you went from a string frugalist to turn reina of your money, reina of your dinero. So please let us know your story. Sure. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure talking to you and someone that's from Peru, a, a country that is dear and near to my heart. So in terms of uh, my story, I was very, very frugal. I'm from Bogota, Colombia. I was born in Colombia and was there through my childhood. And really, I was living in Colombia in the times, and I'm aging myself, where economically and security-wise, it was very rough. This was in the late 70s, early 80s, where it was tough. It was tough times uh, economically. My father, even though both of my parents are first-generation college graduates, my father had a hard time with getting a job, a stable job. So money was very tough. So I had an upbringing where money was scarce. Not that we didn't live in poverty, but we didn't. It was just very rough. And so I saw my parents struggle with money. I saw a lot of arguments with money and it was a financial strain. My dad had the entrepreneurial spirit. He, they started some businesses, but unfortunately they failed. So there was debt. And then they made the tough decision to, instead of stay in Colombia, to move to the United States. So it was starting over again for my parents. So that theme of not having money was always there. And in Colombia, and I don't know, it's maybe a Latin American thing, you always hear that you should eat everything on your plate. We can't waste anything because there's a lot of people that are suffering, right? Uh, so I had that. And so there was always... I had that in my mind. <laughs> no desperdicies, porque hay gente que no tiene cómo comer ni cómo hacer nada, ¿no? They, they would say a lot of that. Oh my God, they would say the same thing for me when I was growing up. Yeah, so it was, so that's a part of it. So if you're told we don't have the money, we can't afford this, don't let anything go to waste, I think that led to some frugal tendencies. And then on top of that, there is... <laughs> In Peru, it happens too. I live there. So we used to, the jars for the jelly and the jam, they made the best glasses. And those are the glasses that never broke. So you would buy nice glasses at the stores and they're the first ones to break. But you reuse those jelly and jam jars, which they're nice. They're actually real nice. And the steaks are just, you know, just simple and plain. But in Colombia and Peru, they make them really nice and they make some beautiful glasses and they just don't tend to break easily or they're not the first ones to break. So I've always had that just kind of instilled of, well, we can use this. Or when we go out to eat, my kids to this day call me the napkin thief, because if we go out to eat like, like to like a 
Chipotle or fast food, I tend to grab the napkins, whatever comes out, comes out. And they feel like I take too many. And I'm like, well, and I don't throw them away because it's just, you're wasting. (laughs) So I, I had those tendencies, but I noticed later on that it went extreme where I started uh, making my own detergent for clothing, right? I started doing those things. But what I realized too was that making those things and just being to the point that I didn't want to spend money, I was miserable. And yes, I might have been saving money by creating my own detergent, but was I really keen on how much money that was? And was I using that save money purpose? Or was I just celebrating, yay, I made my own detergent and I saved some money. Where did that money go to? I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) And and I want to ask you, this is a perfect lead for my next question, is how do we trade money for time, right? Because we might be saving money, but are we saving time? And is it the best use of our time with these activities? So right. now, do you have any questions that you ask yourself? When do you know that, oh, am I being too frugal with this? Is this worth really my time and my my life being spent making the detergent? Or do I need to go back and examine my limiting beliefs and question myself if this is the best use of my time? Right. I love that question just because you're right. Some of those things take time. One thing that I didn't do is cutting coupons because I, one, I don't have the patience and that took a lot of time. <laughs> and so I knew I, I had to look for me to answer that question is if it's going to take a lot of time into it, something that doesn't give you joy, then you can look elsewhere to save money. So cutting coupons is not the only way to save money. And I was like thankful for that because I'm like, there is no way I have to clip the coupons, find the sale, match up the sale to the coupons. That was just too much headspace and work for me, right? Other people that sparks joy, And I respect that. Uh, So I think it's just asking yourself is one, is this, I mean, you're right. How much time is this taking? And that time that is taking, how much is that you're taking into whatever cutting coupons or making detergent or whatever that it is that you're doing to cut, uh, to be frugal, how much of a saving is that in comparison to the value of your time, right? So compare the value of your time, whether if you're an entrepreneur, how much would you be making during that time versus how much you're saving? So compare that. And also for some people that might not matter because it may be something that gives them joy. So you have to see it. Does it spark any joy? What? Why are you doing this? Yes, to save some money, but maybe it fulfills you in some way. And that's completely okay. Yeah, that's great. I totally can relate to that. We we hired, for example, a cleaning lady. But my mom, she gets so much joy from cleaning and organizing. This is something like she's Mary Kondo from Latin America, people, like, <laughs> honestly. And she does that in, in several areas of her life. So that brings her joy, right? So sometimes she would do it because just because she wants to, not because she has to. And I think that's a great way that if someone something brings you joy, if this is activity that brings you joy and happiness, then that's worth it for you, right? So with that, let me pass to my next question. When you started changing your mindset about money, 
changing your narrative and the story behind it. When did you want it to quit? And what did you do instead? I started changing my mindset. It was 10 years into my marriage. So my husband's in the military. He was deployed. We had just moved to a new place. And when we moved to a new place, I always checked the finances. And at that point, I was actually studying to be an accredited financial counselor. People considered me to be very savvy with money. So friends and family members, I hadn't started my business yet, but friends and family members were asking me for advice uh, because they saw me savvy with money. And when I started looking at our finances, I got hit hard, meaning I looked at our finances and I was looking at where we started. So this was 10 years down the line and we were still in debt. We were depleting our emergency accounts and we had been borrowing from my husband's TSP or the 401k. So we were doing those things and not that we were in a bad financial spot, but we hadn't really moved the needle. And I started questioning myself, why is 10 years We've kind of done something, but we haven't done what I thought we would have done at that period of time. So as I started asking myself why and feeling a lot of shame and guilt because I supposedly have it together, (laughs) I realized you know, you start questioning and asking yourself questions, the answers come. It's interesting how that happens. And when I started doing that, this book called The Secrets of the Millionaire Mind, I swear he should pay me big money as much as I mentioned this book by T. Harvecker. Somehow it appeared. It didn't appear at my doorstep or anything like that, but I don't know if it got recommended. I have no, I don't remember. And I was actually resistant to reading that book because it had millionaire. And at that point, millionaire and rich just kind of gave me this icky feeling. But I decided, you know what, let me read it anyway. So I read it and it just blew my mind because it was really the missing piece. That was what I was lacking. The Secrets of the Millionaire Mind is all about your mindset. It's all about how you grew up with money, what you saw, what you heard that really impacts how you see and how you manage your money. And that just, it made me realize I was still having all these thoughts running through my head all the time that we can't afford this. We don't have the money, even though financially we were fine. But because I was having these thoughts, the mind wants to protect you. And the mind does, you have... Uh, running through your mind. So I was inadvertently doing things to slow down our progress, right? So therefore, I was okay with going into our emergency funds. And, And even though I knew it wasn't the right thing to do, those thoughts won over. Right. Uh, So that's when I started shifting uh, my mindset. That's when I started paying more attention to those thoughts that came to my mind and really starting to create better thoughts or shifting those thoughts into those ones that serve me. And it also made me realize how much of an impact our past has had, our past money story. And with Financial education, one, doesn't really exist. It does. It's getting better, right? It's in the U.S. Um, But talking about our mindset or our past money story or our money history, however you want to talk about 
say it, that's the two and two aren't together. <laughs> Maybe in the entrepreneurial space or the self, you know, personal development space, the mindset's talked about. But when it comes to putting it together with financial education, it's not. And in my opinion and in my experience, that's a huge component of what you need to be financially successful, right? The other pieces, the budgeting and the paying bills, it's a small part, but the mindset is the biggest component. Yes, and I'm so glad you mentioned this. I relate to your story so much. It took me, for me, you know, like to get rid of this millionaires or billionaires, they are evil. It took me quite a while even to meet people like this, like billionaires of the world, for me to change my mindset that is with money that we can do the most good. And I think the mindset that we had was also influenced a little bit by the religious backing that some of us could have, right? Mm -hmm. So if you want to be good, then you have to be poor. Mm -hmm. But it's actually for us to make the most good in the world, we have to be rich and we have to be able to manage a lot of money so we can donate a lot of money because a lot of people that are in power that they could do that with their money, they don't. But we, if we come from these different backgrounds, we cannot forget where we come from. We cannot forget our people. And this has to be our main driver for us to make more money. At least it was what really helped me in terms of making money. And I'll be talking more about this story with Jen in her podcast, Her Dinero Matters. So please yes, check it out. I can't wait for that. Now, with that, you brought up a good point, our faith, our religion. And that was, a, I think, also a big part, especially in Latin America. Um, you know, there's that saying, si Dios quiere, uh, si Dios, uh, Dios va a proveer, those things that God will provide. And it was this big faith in a higher power to do those money things for you, which, yes, I don't have my own faith. And this is not for you that have your faith. This is not disrespecting by any means because I'm, I have my faith, but it's having faith as a part of it. But I think the higher power of God or who you believe in also is uh, creating responsibility on you to do your part. Right. So I think that's a huge part. And I think in Latin American countries, I think we have, yes, faith, which is great, but we also have to take that responsibility as well on ourselves. Yeah. So being sovereign of our own money, you know, like our mm -hmm. own money kingdom. That's great. So what were a few of the steps that help you in moving forward the needle in taking that limiting mindset and that old story and that cultural back story mindset that we all have uh, to where you are now and having this very successful podcast that have been featuring many media outlets and raising your voice, right? Because just like you going through these steps, there were many other people that needed to follow and needed to be talking about money, that need to learn about money. And we don't learn money in school, right? Or in university. So tell us a little bit of the steps that you took to take yourself out of that frugal mindset to a more abundant one. Sure. So number one was that book. That was the first step. But it wasn't like an overnight shift. Let me tell you that. Just because I read the book, I was cured. No, <laughs> absolutely not. It took years because this was back in 2010. And I think in it took about till 2014, 15 is when 
or 13, somewhere around there, where everything like really started to progress like fast. Like we paid off our debt that we hadn't been able to pay off in like two years. So 10 years, we were kind of paying it off a little bit, but then two years is when we completely paid it off. So number one that was that book and having that realization how much my past had an impact on the present and shifting that story, shifting that mindset, which takes time. And to this day, I still have to do because life happens and you have to really catch yourself, re- reframe what you're thinking. So that's number one. Uh, number two, the other thing that I think had a, a huge impact was an, a married. So is bringing in the partner, you know, bringing in my husband into the picture. Uh, and he's always been very supportive and whatever I say goes in terms of, you know, with the finances. But something that we did together, there we did an exercise so that he was deployed and I was here stateside. And there is a... Um, I don't remember the exact name of the game, but it's basically, it's it's by Abraham Hicks, who's a really woo-woo person in the space. And the idea of this game is you have quote unquote, pretend money. So this is not real money. And f- this is an exercise for 30 days. And we did it together. And so day one, you decide this is how much money we're going to spend. And we decided to split it 50-50. And we would log, we would write down and email each other <laughs> way across the seas, like what we would spend that on. So I think we started with $100. So he got to spend 50 I got to spend 50. Again, this is pretend money. Day two, we increased that amount of money. Again, we split it 50-50 and we decided what we wanted to spend on. And we continuously increased it for the 30 days. Again, this is imaginary money. And you would think when you have an infinite amount of resources of money that is easy to spend. It was challenging to spend because what I realized I had stopped dreaming. I stopped, had stopped thinking big. And so all I was really focused, I'm like, okay, well, we paid off the debt. Now what? Okay, we'll put to saving. And it was still those frugal tendencies. Well, why can't I do something else? So then it allowed me, one, to think bigger, to allow myself to enjoy life. And at the same time, I got to know my husband on another level which was powerful because even though this was 10 years that we were married, there were stuff that I still didn't know that he wanted because maybe, I can't say he was afraid to voice it, but maybe he thought it wasn't a reality. So it got us to dream and it it was just a beautiful, impactful exercise that I encourage anyone to do, whether you do it by yourself, if you, you do it with your partner, again, it's 30 days, you start off with a certain dollar amount or in your currency, wherever you're at, this is pretend money and you add on every single day and you decide what you're going to spend on. So it allows you to learn about yourself, your partner, and to really start dreaming. So that's another thing. Uh, And then the third part was just, which is not really mindset related, but really, well, it is because what I noticed too, is that I was following the personal finance experts advice to a T but I wasn't listening to myself. So this goes to confidence. And what I realized was that one, they were experts in finance, but the only expert in me and our situation was me and our family, right? We knew what was best for us. So it was listening to that, your your intuition and trusting yourself and being confident in yourself that you know what, you don't have to follow all your gui- all their guidance. Pick what works best at this moment in time and use that. You don't have to do all the things. Do the things that serve you best at this moment in time. So it was also really allowing myself to be more confident 
and taking control because really following the advice is not taking control. It's it's doing some things, but taking control yeah. is when you're fully confident and you you say, this is, I know this is what best was best for me. So I think those real those three things really allowed me to shift into being more confident to be becoming the reign of my money. And just really taking control because it allowed me to see the money in a different light. It allowed me to make better decisions because I saw things differently. It's like when you're writing a paper or doing something and you look at it and you see no errors. And then all of a sudden you take a break, you clear in your mind and you look at it and you're like, this doesn't sound good or, oh, this is a better idea. So it allows you to just doing those things allows you to think more clearly and have more clarity of your money, which makes, allows you to really make a better plan for yourself because you don't have to be an expert on all things finance. It's just really allowing yourself to be confident in you and what you're doing. And that opens to everything else. I love that. I believe that we are our best guide. And before listening to someone else, because sometimes this money advice is contradictory, mm. right? And and especially with investment advice, it could be contradictory. There could be people that are pro-Bitcoin. There could be people that are against Bitcoin. So it really depends on you and what do you believe that in this moment of time you can do with Right. And another thing to note, because you said believe, right? And believe. And yes, you have to believe in yourself. But another thing to know is that when experts are out there saying, this is the best for you, whether in finance or anything, this it's their belief, but is it a fact? So you have to also, I think, distinguish between belief and a fact, because sometimes we... We believe in things like we can't uh, believe in the fears, but is that re- fear really a fact, right? So you have to d- think about that. And as well as the mm-hmm. experts, they have their own beliefs. Is that your belief? And is and sometimes it's just, they're just pushing their own agenda. Let's just, <laughs> let's just be real. But you have to distinguish between all that to say, distinguish between a belief and a fact. That's beautiful. And I think sometimes we take those beliefs of, we think that people know best than us. Mm. So especially with money, if you're not used to managing your own money, but then you you see the reality and the reality is, oh, okay. So they just knew and they had that belief and it wasn't a fact. And especially with financial investment, I don't think it's anything is quite black or white, Mm. right? Okay. So for my last question is there are two moments in your life, right? The moment that you're born and the moment that you discover why. What's your current why? What's your current purpose? And what motivates you to wake up every day? My current why are the two boys, my two boys. I've got teens and um, that's really, and my husband, I mean, I include him in that just because that definitely, seeing my husband serve in the military, seeing my husband all the sacrifices that he has made uh, definitely really pushes me to be a better person, to really step up. And then knowing that I have two boys that are looking to me and my husband, for example, I strive to be the best human being that I can be. 
so that's, that really uh, pushes me to get up in the morning and keep going. But also the people I serve, that's another portion of my why, because I know my podcast and my work is more catered to the Latinx community or the more Latinas. And I know there's such a huge need and knowing that, especially hearing the feedback that I get from then and the impact that it's making, that keeps me going, right? If that pay the bills, I, <laughs> that I would not charge for anything, but the feedback and testimonials alone, uh, don't do it, unfortunately. But uh, that really drives me as well, just because sometimes you know, with a podcast or with, with the work, what I do, especially the podcast, because I'm talking to the microphone. No one's talking back necessarily to me unless I get the emails and messages, but you just don't know, is it making an impact? So when you hear the the impact it has made that, and then uh, saying, where were you five years ago or whatever, that pushes me to keep doing what I'm doing just because someone is needing this. Uh, That's amazing. And Thank you so much for being an inspiration also for other podcasters. Now that you mentioned about the impact that your work is having, it reminded me that you believe that, you know, like podcasts shouldn't be measured only by downloads. And that was another great message that I wanted to share with our fellow podcasters that are listening, because I believe that this is so true. It's like if you're measuring the impact of your podcast just by downloads, you're missing out on the one person that you might be changing their life. Absolutely. I can't agree more. I just because I have at one time her money matters, which was more the audience was more broad. And then I niched down to her Dinetto matters. And naturally the downloads were going to go down. Um, but it opened up so many opportunities. So you just don't know. You don't know who's listening. Uh, the just the podcast, what even when it was Her Money Matters, has opened up so many opportunities. And I don't have a million downloads per episode per month, but yet I'm still fortunately and gratefully so uh, thriving uh, in my business. And it's not a million downloads a month. So I think it's more of your message and it's more of being staying true to yourself and uh, creating really good content that you know is going to resonate for people. Uh, that's beautiful. Thank you so much, Jen, for being here. Well, thank you so much, Angie, for having me. And I'm looking forward to sharing your story on Herding It yes. Matters. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Going Forward Podcast. I hope that you like these bits of information, wisdom, pep talks, and actionable tools for you to move your business and life forward. Until next time, 